It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. What's up and welcome in. It's Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is the telephone number. Follow me on Instagram, IGJHood. Also on Snapchat, SnapJHood. We're here from Austin Lane. Talk show host from ESPN Jacksonville. Also a former Chicago Bear. We'll get Austin's thoughts about what is going on with Nick Foles. What are the Bears expecting? But as I, I mentioned earlier, I still believe that when I see Nick Foles in his Bears uniform, it tells me all I need to know about what Ryan Pace is thinking as general manager for this Bears team. He realizes that Mitch Trubisky is not the guy, and if he is the guy, he needs to be pushed. That's exactly what I've been asking for for a long time, and now it's happening. And Nick Foles is not necessarily the answer to win a Super Bowl, at least I don't believe so. But I think that you can have someone as a grizzled veteran that's been there and done that, who's been in the spotlight, who's been to a Super Bowl, to be able to help this Bears team. But no matter who the quarterback is when the season starts, whether it's Trubisky or Foles, let's keep something in mind that you cannot win without having talent and a system in place that works. And so when I look at what's happening with this Bears team, with Allen Robinson, when I see this offensive line, I see this running game that still needs some work, no matter who the quarterback is, if you don't have the talent in front, that is going to be an issue. And so I can be excited about competition, but also should be excited about someone on the other side of Allen Robinson that could be able to make a difference or a tight end that actually could produce outside of Jimmy Graham because I don't know what that signing was for, but it happened. But you have to be able to plug those holes offensively and defensively as well. You've got to be able to plug the dam before it completely leaks. This NFL is so unrelenting. It's daunting. You don't know what to expect from year to year. There's always injuries. There's always issues, right? You always got to put yourself in a position where um, you can be able to win and be in the mix every year. But the Bears, from that standpoint, the Bears have to be able to find their way to be a perennial winner, like we see with Green Bay, what we see from Minnesota as of late. But what about the quarterback position with Nick Foles? That's the big question. What are we getting? We turn to uh, Austin Lane, a former Chicago Bear talk show host in the afternoon for ESPN Jacksonville. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand-new ESPN Chicago app. Austin, as always, I appreciate your time. What, 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 how would you characterize Nick Foles' time with the Jaguars. Yeah, you know, obviously Nick Foles' time in Jacksonville, it's, it's a complicated one to say the least, right? Because he comes from Philadelphia, um, was a former Super Bowl MVP. The Jacksonville Jaguars obviously in the market for a free agent quarterback. And at the time, you had to pick between, you know, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, Teddy Bridgewater, and that was about it. So, Obviously, to me at least, the, the, the top guy of that free agency class was Nick Foles. The Jaguars go get him, and I think that that decision was reached with, with a lot of optimism by a majority of the fan base. Um, Nick Foles comes in. You know, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. He keeps it low-key, doesn't really talk to me, which is fine. Obviously, you know, he, he, he wanted to be treated like every other, everybody else didn't want the distractions. And obviously, being the leader of the Jaguars, he had a lot of work to do. So, enter the preseason, you know, he... Looks like the guy, even week one um, against Kansas City, 
start off pretty hot, and then he gets hurt. And, you know, and the ironic thing of that injury was the fact that the play that he got hurt on, man, he threw an absolute laser beam to DJ Chark, and it was a beautiful pass. So we're like, you know, as Jaguars fans, everyone's like, wow, that was a crazy pass. You know, like, this is, this is going to be the future of Jacksonville. And then all of a sudden you look on the field and Foles is really getting up, you know, and then that's kind of where the downslide happened from there. So because of that, this is why the Jaguars thought that he was expendable, the contract and the injury situation, because if you had your druthers, would you go to healthy Foles, a veteran, or Minshew if you're Jacksonville? Well, and that's exactly the problem, right? So Foles goes down, enters Gardner Minshew, and to be fair, Minshew didn't really have that good of a preseason, right? So there wasn't a lot of hype around Minshew coming into his first start. Um, the guy kind of slays people's opinions a little bit, kind of plays out of his mind. You know that this is a guy like Ava Brett Favre. He's making plays happy. He's extending drives. He's making these crazy passes. And to be fair, he's calm and collected, uh, you know, under the pressure. So in, in a matter of two or three games, people started to go, you know what? This Gardner Minshew guy, he's something special. And that kind of progressed on until I think it was week nine when they traveled to London. And that, that to me was the time where Nick Foles is coming back from his, from his injury, you know, about that clavicle. And that Houston game was very pivotal because I felt like if Gardner Minshew plays well in London against Houston, then Foles never sees the field again. Unfortunately, Minshew doesn't have a good game. Foles comes back. A week later, they go to Indianapolis. Foles has a, a, a rough game. And then uh, uh, the week after that, travels to Tennessee, has another rough game. And then by the, ten, by the time the Buccaneers got to town, um, you know, I think Foles ended up getting pulled halfway through the game. So it was Minshew's to lose, to tell you the truth. He travels to London, doesn't perform well. They go with the sure thing because keep in mind, they're still trying to play for a division. And I think Doug Marone and everybody thought that Foles gave them the best chance to win the division still or try to keep their jobs, let's just say. Foles comes out, doesn't do that well, and then he gets benched again by Minshew. So, um, you know, and then after that, then Minshew didn't give, give up the reins and everything. So from, from the perspective of who would you go with now, you know, what would you go with a 100% healthy Foles or Gardner Minshew? We've seen the way the NFL works, right? And if guys are pretty comparable, which I think right now Foles and Minshew are, you always go with the younger guy. You always go with the guy on his first contract. Right now that's Minshew. So the Jaguars, I think, had no choice but to get rid of Nick Foles. Austin Lane, talk show host from ESPN Jacksonville, the former Bear, with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Austin, you and I have talked about this. Last time that you were home in Wisconsin, I know that you are surrounded with Bears fans or people wondering about the Bears when you were home. And so yeah. there, so now the the storyline was for this offseason, are you going to go back with Trubisky in year three or do you bring in someone to push him? And I've been on yeah. the camp of saying competition is good for everyone. I don't didn't really believe that Trubisky should go in carte blanche like, yep, I'm going to be the guy after an 8-8 eight and eight season. And that first season where Matt Nagy was really you know, moving the, sh- the shells around like a shell game, like he was, had all these trick plays trying to cover up the deficiencies of the offense. I, we all saw mm-hmm. it, but you still appreciated the 12-4 and four record. So I'll, I'll ask you this. So now with Trubisky, do, do you believe in a true competition – that Trubisky could beat out Foles based on knowing both quarterbacks? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of the million-dollar question. And I'll be honest with you, man, I'm a little surprised that the Bears did go in the Foles direction. Not because, you know, that the sample size last year in Jacksonville was so small, but just from the standpoint of I feel like Ryan Pace has to let Mitch Trubisky play because if Mitch Trubisky gets benched for Nick Foles, what does that say about your GM, right? You, you, I think you guys already cut Leonard Floyd. And, you know, right. you, they invested a lot in the first round for Leonard Floyd. And don't, don't forget how much you guys invested in Mitchell Trubisky. So if that plan doesn't work out, they always say the, you know, the, the quarterback position is always tied to the GM. What does it say about Ryan Pace? Now, to answer your question, do I see Nick Foles pushing, you know, maybe Mitchell Trubisky out of the starting spot? I absolutely do. Okay, because I think with what Nick Foles has, obviously, he's got the leadership. He's got the locker room experience. And I honestly think he's going to Chicago, and it's his spot to lose right now. You, you, you want to talk about Mitchell Trubisky, you know, obviously playing in a Matt Nagy offense, which is so offensive-oriented, right? He, he comes from Andy Reid. Andy Reid's system and everything in his coaching tree, they know the quarterback position. And I feel like if you haven't got anything from Mitchell Trubisky now, what makes you think you're going to get something from this season? So I actually think it's going to be – Nick Foles' job to lose. Now, obviously, he has to come in, he has to perform well, and he has to earn that starting spot away from Mitch. But I think right now, the way the cards are on the table, and assuming Nick Foles is healthy, I think it's his. I, I think it's going to be his job to, to be to be a starter. It's uh, it's very interesting because Trubisky really just regressed. I thought Austin, and I think we all saw this last year. And I I just wanted you to just put on the record. Do you think that? Foles can come in here as some savior because that's what it comes down to. I've talked to you about this before. You don't want to squander another defense, right? It's still yeah. there's some holes to fill, right? You still got to worry about the secondary. Got to figure out who's going to be able to fill the bill uh, at, on the line. But at the same time, you don't want to squander a strong defense with Chuck Pagano for an offense that can't work. So, uh, you know, how well could Foles work in this system with Matt Nagy? Because that's really the big question. Yeah, so you know what, so to answer your question, I mean, how important is it to have the offense and the defense coincide with each other, right? Where mm-hmm. if you go back to Mitchell Trubisky's best season, right, his Pro Bowl season, he went 11-3, and but that defense was playing out of their mind, right? Cleo Mack having an all-pro, uh, an all-pro-like, um, you know, time there um, back in 2018. So you're absolutely right. And the last thing you want to do is squander a great defense. Well, we saw that happen in Jacksonville back in 2017. AFC Championship game. That that team was built on their defense and their ability to run the ball. Now, obviously, Blake Bortles got a new contract off it, but Blake Bortles really flourished. And, you know, you're talking about Blake Bortles, an average quarterback at best, right? A guy who causes a lot of turnovers and a lot of headaches, you know, for fan bases. But Blake Bortles had his one successful year because the defense was just that good. And that's the same thing in Chicago where, like you said, in secondary, there could be some question marks. But overall, you still have some key cogs. You still have some pillars on that defense that can make you successful. And the last thing you want to do is squander it away with a quarterback who can't compete. So I completely agree with you there. Now, how is Foles going to uh, you know, adjust to the system? I think the biggest thing that needs to be said about Foles going to Chicago is the fact that John DiFilippo is there. Mm-hmm. John DiFilippo comes from you know, Jacksonville this past year. He was the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I sang his praises early on in the season. Um, towards the later rounds of the season, I started to get a little frustrated about how the, you know, the Jaguars' red zone offense was ran. But that's either, that's either here nor there. But my biggest point is the fact that John Filippo and the Jacksonville Jaguars supposedly came to a mutual interest in saying, you know what, I, I want to go someplace else, and the Jacksonville Jaguars said, that's fine. 
good luck in your future endeavors. So John DiPolipo goes from being the offensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars and takes a quarterback job, you know, a quarterback coach's job in Chicago. So literally, he kind of took a deep promotion a little bit. Well, then that kind of begs the question. If, if they parted ways mutually in Jacksonville, one could think that John DiFilippo was frustrated from the standpoint that Gardner Minshew is probably going to be the guy going forward. And keep in mind, John DiFilippo and Nick Foles work together for, in Philly. Uh, Nick Foles will be the first one to tell you a big reason why he was the Super Bowl MVP was the fact that John DiFilippo got the best out of him. And so with that being said, DiFilippo goes to Chicago. I think he was in the offices, you know, pounding the table saying, you know what, if you guys need a quarterback, if you guys are in a position to maybe replace Mitchell Trubisky, I know a guy, Nick Foles, let's give him a call and let's get him in Chicago. So I think having John DiFilippo as your quarterback's coach, that gives Nick Foles a little bit of comfort. And obviously in that offensive system, keep in mind Nick Foles did spend a little time in Kansas City, I believe. So he is aware a little bit um, kind of of that Andy Reid style. I'm glad you spent some time, Austin. Thanks so much for coming on the show as always. It's always a pleasure, man. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Austin Lane from ESPN Jacksonville, former Bear, with us here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Glad that you're with me here on this Monday night, keeping you company. Full show again tomorrow night between 7 and 10. We'll have Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday for you as well. There's a lot of stories going on in pro wrestling slash sports entertainment. A lot of wrestling shows with no fans. They're still not canceled. It's just they're still going on, but there's nobody in the audience. There's there's no audience there. So we'll get into that uh, tomorrow night at 930 for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. You can follow along on Twitter at WrestlingTWT for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. You know who's been killing it and who's been killing it for a long time is Joe Cowley from the Chicago Sun-Times. Joe Cowley, who has covered the Chicago Bulls for a long time, just continues to crank out column after column because there's no basketball going on now, so why not really review almost on a daily basis what's going on with this Bulls team? Now, once the season was postponed, the Bulls ended at 22-43. and 43. And you know, like I know, that this was not going in the right direction. This was not working. This is... It's, it's amazing that COVID-19 happens and the league is shut down and Jim Boylan's still the head coach. If this goes on, you know it's not going in the right direction. This, this team was not going to be a top-eight team. Had very few highlights, unfortunately, through this time in the NBA season. Very few highlights for the team. They continue to lose against good teams. They only won against two, I think, quality teams. that were over 500. One of them is the Clippers. And it just was really disappointing because we're used to that now, right, with the Bulls. Disappointing season. Joe Cowley talked about Zach Levine, had a player breakdown of Zach Levine. The one piece that he wrote yesterday entitled, Heck yeah, Bulls guard Zach Levine deserves better. And the first line in the column is, Zach Levine remains in basketball hell. <laughs> that just gives you a little flavor of what Joe was talking about with Zach Levine. But then he got into Garth Foreman the general manager of the Bulls, the much maligned, beat-down general manager of the Chicago Bulls. And the piece is entitled, Bulls GM Gar Foreman 
had a slow rise to power and an even slower demise. Foreman could do no wrong when he was named the team's GM in 2009. By the time 2011 had come and gone, he was the NBA executive of the year. By 2012, however, the missteps began, and a seat built on paranoia and mistrust eventually led to his downfall. The demise of Foreman has been slow, but is now all complete. There is a hidden gem in this column that should have been in the top of the column. It was in the bottom, which I'll address in just a moment. I love how some of these writers bury the lead. Like, wait, there's a there's the gem. There's a story there, but not he buried it. And I'll tell you what it is in a second. Because, you know, during this time where there's no sports news, you try to find that gem, right? If someone, if sports was going on, maybe a talk show host, maybe someone else, a blogger would have picked up on this. But I picked up on it reading it earlier today. So he talks about Gar Foreman. And in full disclosure, Gar Foreman and I get along fine. We always have. It's, it's, a, it's a weird dynamic, right? Because if you've listened to me over the years covering this Bulls team, I've hammered this organization for ineptitude. And rightfully so. They've deserved it. You just can't go soft on a team that just continues to get injured a team that does not draft well, a team that just can't get in the top eight of the Eastern Conference, an Eastern Conference that can that could be had for a long time. A lot of this frustration from Bulls fans as of late is because of LeBron James. Keep in mind that when LeBron was with Cleveland or with Miami, that LeBron was the hammer and the Bulls were the nail. So it's kind of like any era, right? There's been good teams that get to the playoffs but get knocked off because there's a dynasty. This is what the NBA has been built on. It's founded on dynasties. The whole league is built on the Celtics and the Lakers dynasties and and then everything else in between with the Bulls and the Pistons and the Rockets and so many other teams, including the Golden State Warriors as of late. It's built on dynasties. So the Bulls had their issues because LeBron James was that good and that Derrick Rose – Joe Kim Noah, Lou Aldane, that group, they just couldn't get over the hump. They tried. They just couldn't get over the hump because LeBron James is just that good. But it doesn't mean that the Bulls have to be out of the top eight and irrelevant. See, we can look at the New York Knicks as a team that is the worst, the very, very worst. Totally run poorly, bad draft picks, unlucky, whatever it is. The Knicks are the flag bearer of really bad basketball and bad choices and bad coaches and bad executives over the years. But the Bulls are right there in that team photo. If there was a Mount Rushmore of this over the last 20-plus years, the Bulls are in that conversation because the team should be good enough to at least compete in the East, and it has not. But when I take a look at Joe Cowley's piece, the question was met with a wave of the hand. Not a good wave either. The dismissive kind. The emotion that belittles a person standing if they no longer matter. Scouting in Siberia, a member of the Bulls organization, joked a couple of weeks ago. And just like that, the question was answered. The question was, where was Bulls general manager Gar Foreman? Where's he been the last few months? Scouting in Siberia. <laughs> the executive of the year in 2011 has been reduced to a lead scout. And it makes you wonder... Why is Gar Foreman still in the position? Why is he still even with the Chicago Bulls? Because of the big L word, loyalty. We have addressed this many times in the show. 
for whatever reason, the Reinsdorf family believes in loyalty, no matter how bad you are at the job. I wish I had that security in my jobs, plural, that I have doing radio. I wish I had that kind of security. Like, yeah, I'll just roll in with no topics. I got an empty yellow pad. I got nothing. Here we go. I got, I'm just going to roll in one day because I got job security and I got contracts with SiriusXM and with uh, ESPN Radio nationally and ESPN 1000. And I'll just come in with nothing. Just the old blank yellow pad. Nothing, right? Just no, no thoughts. Tyler, tell me what to talk about next. Tyler wouldn't know. But but he but he would be very nervous if he had to be able to tell me segment by segment what to do. Because I gotta come in with my own thoughts. And for Gar Foreman, he comes in knowing that as long as the key card works, it's all good, right? Key card works, I'm still hired. He's the general manager of the team. And John Paxson tried to take a couple of steps back. He tried to be able to put make Gar the face of this thing, it didn't work. So I go back to the Cowley piece from the Sun-Times. The Sun-Times was the first to break the story of Ryan Zorch's plans over the All-Star weekend. And that story, of course, as you well know, is of Gar Foreman being replaced as general manager. And he says the Sun-Times was the first to break the story of Ryan Zorch's plans over the All-Star weekend. And while sources have told the newspaper as of last week that there was going to be some uncertainty of what role current vice president of basketball operations John Paxson will play in all this, Foreman will have absolutely no seat at the decision-making table, only keeping the GM title warm for his successor. But then you scroll down the piece. Here's the hidden gem. You go through this, he talks about how untouchable he was and going through the Paxson Thibodeau era, all this stuff, right? You scroll down and it says this. Listen closely. I'll just read the last graph. It says the final straw, though, seemingly came in November when the Sun-Times reported that former players were very angry when they felt Foreman was aloof toward them when the Bulls honored Luol Deng at a home game. Word got back to Jerry Reinsdorf and the man that has always had Foreman's back was now done handing out life preservers. Since then, Foreman has been even more absent than usual, both at the United and Advocate Centers. And here's the Coupe de Gracie. The Sun-Times initially reported that even with the front office restructure coming, Foreman could be kept out you know, as lead scout or throw on a new title. Because that's usually what happens with the Bulls, right, or the Sox, that you could be restructured and you just have a new title. But that even seems no longer to be in play. The Sun-Times initially reported that even with the front office restructure coming, Foreman could be kept on as a lead scout or thrown a new title, but that even seems no longer in play. Oh. Huh. So... Reinsdorf's not going to do what he normally does and says, I'll kick you upstairs, I'll kick you to the side, I'll kick you downstairs, but you can still be the organization. He's not going to get a new title either? Wait a minute. There is the buried lead in the story. That with this restructuring that's coming, and it's been talked about since the All-Star break, even before that, that he's not going to be lead scout or he's not going to be throwing a new title. He might be just, I don't know, out out where he should be out on the street and i like gar (laughs) but the point is though is that when your one loss record is what it is and what you have done 
with this organization as far as the draft, you got to be able to make changes. I totally get that. You get that too. You don't keep guys around just because they've been with the organization. You've been around because they're productive, because they're helping you win. Scouting in Siberia, a guy that was a general manager now is scouting someplace looking for talent that maybe the Bulls won't even look at. <laughs> like, you know, this happens, by the way. You can get like this uh, European scout and just bring him, hey, what did you see overseas? Oh, I saw this guy from Italy. Oh, I saw this guy from Europe. Uh, you know, I saw this guy from Russia. All right, thanks. And you never hear from that guy again until next season. They bring him in again. Hey, who'd you see? I saw this guy from this country. Can he play? Yep. Okay, we'll consider it. Don't consider it. And just let him go out again. That's who he is now? That's what he should be for another organization. He had his opportunity. He even had his own head coach in place in Fred Hoiberg. How's Fred doing in Nebraska, by the way? I paused for effect. Bottom line is, is that when you see what is happening with Gar Foreman, it's too bad. John packs in the same way. John should be an ambassador and not a president of basketball operations. That's what he should be. He should be someone like Horace Grant or like um, Tony Kukoc. Just a guy that's just around shaking hands, and now he's become a hated figure, a guy that was Johnny Jump Shot, a guy that was popular with this Bulls team the first time around, the first three championships. And now when he comes out in the public, he's hated. I'll tell you a story real quick. So last year, of course, when the season was postponed, I was working with the Windy City Bulls. And Jim Boylan, it's on my Instagram someplace. Jim Boylan came to the Winnie City Bulls game. I don't know what he was doing there. I was like, what is he doing here? I saw him coming down the stairs at the Sears Center. I'm like, what is he doing here? Here's Jim Boylan. And Jim Boylan's there, and he's doing an interview, I think, with Mark Shanowski. I believe that's what it was. And I guess he was there to look at the talent. He looked at the talent so much that he didn't consider maybe Milton Doyle should be on the basketball team because that guy can play. He actually was with Brooklyn. He actually can play. It'd be nice. Makoko is on that team. Adam Makoko, if you saw him, he was with the Bulls for a cup of coffee. He does some nice things, but definitely Milton Doyle is a better player. They didn't bring Milton Doyle to the Chicago Bulls, but whatever. So in the production truck, there was a question on the television side for Windy City Bulls. The question was, well, Jim Boylan's here. Should we put him on the big screen? Should we put him in so the audience can see, like on the big scoreboard? And they turn to me and they say, well, what do you think? And I go, are you serious? <laughs> you really? This is Winnie City Bulls fans, right? I mean, they're Bulls fans too, but they're watching their G League team. They're watching the next generation of Bulls. There's a couple of two-way players that might be on the re- there for the regular basis. They ask me, like, what do you think? And I go, what do you mean, what do I think? You really think it's a good idea to put Jim Boylan on the big screen? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Successful Bulls head coach Jim Boylan. Boylan, what do you think that's going to be like? <laughs> be awful. No, you don't put him on the big screen. They didn't put him on the big screen. Something else about Jim that was very odd, too. During timeouts, Jim was sitting in the front row across from me as I was broadcasting. And during the timeouts, I don't believe some of the kids there knew who Jim Boylan was. 
But Jim was always available during the timeouts. He was, he could step on the floor because he's the head coach of the Bulls, so he can do that. And almost, I couldn't see his lips, but it's almost his motion with his arms are like, hey, kids, you want to take a picture with me? <laughs> it's kind of like the it's kind of like the desperate like uh, uh, former athlete who thinks he's still great, and he's like, hey, you you want my autograph, right? Here, you want an autograph? Like, I'll. If I want an autograph, I'll ask you for one. <laughs> it's kind of like that same thing. Like he's bringing the kids along. Like, hey, 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 hey. Like, I don't think those kids want to take a picture with Jim. I don't know if they knew who Jim was. I think that's one thing. Also, just like, why is this you know gangly guy with this <laughs> this Bulls shirt on asking to take a picture? I don't think everybody want to take a picture with him. It's very odd. But that was my life in the G League. But I just want to give Cowley a lot of credit because he's done a really good job of just breaking it down. And and I think every day or every other day he's giving you a breakdown. The Zach Levine piece that came out yesterday was very interesting. Um, Levine said this. He says, I've done a lot of losing my whole career. I've been frustrated from the get-go, so I want that to change. And <laughs> Cowley says, bad news, Zach. It likely won't, not in a Bulls uniform. I mean, he's talking about how the key piece in the trade for Jimmy Butler in 2017, Levine uh, keeps finding that out. He says, I've been able to deal with ups and downs really well all this year. It's been a roller coaster. I feel like I've been very pretty even keeled and uh, just locked in to prepare for every game. You know, we got to remember this. Got to remember that Zach Levine is signed through the 21-22 season. He's going to be a free agent when he's 27. He's going to be with some team, and he's going to be a lights-out shooter. Um, but as a lead guy for the Bulls, it's just not working. We need more information about what's going on uh, in our world here. We talked to Dr. Rachel about what's going on with COVID-19, the latest on that next. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the ground at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Talk to Dr. Rachel, medical doctor, family doctor for many years. She was on the award-winning talk show, The Doctors, for a long time. Get her thoughts about what's going on with COVID-19. Just a few other notes that we didn't get to regarding um, Nick Foles and the trade as he goes to Chicago Bears. Mike Tannenbaum, former GM in the NFL with ESPN, uh, had a number of things to say about uh, the Bears and what they've done. First, let me get to the Jimmy Graham signing because that's the head-scratcher. It doesn't matter what you think of what the Bears are right now based on their personnel, just for any team. I would criticize any team for picking up Jimmy Graham, especially for a two-year contract for the money that they are paying him. It's one thing to have a veteran on there, but you still want to get younger at that position, more productive. Jimmy Graham, interesting. I have made this mistake myself. This is a great example of you are paying the brand name of Jimmy Graham for what he was. And not not what what he will be, right? He's 34 years old. As Lewis said, he can't block. Yards per catch, receptions are all down, and this one does not make sense to me. If I am Chicago, I am laser-focused on improving 
the quarterback position. You've done a great job on the defensive side of the ball. I think you're just overpaying for a brand name when you bring in Jimmy Graham. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what in life I've paid for, I've overpaid for, that was a brand name. Um, it's got to be it's got to be some kind of restaurant, right, Davis? It's got to be something, right? I was thinking more like electronics when they first come out. Think about when like plasma TVs first came out, and they were like fourteen, fifteen hundred, <laughs> and now you can grab one for like three, four hundred at Walmart. It's like we definitely overpaid for that technology and to have it first. You mean a two thousand dollar VCR? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What about that Blu-ray disc when it came out? Yeah, yeah, that was me. Yeah, because <laughs> it was new and fresh. That's right. And same thing. Like Jimmy Graham is like the Magnavox VCR, right? That you <laughs> is that what it is? That makes sense. Um, it, I think it like is yeah. It's probably technology, right? I think that's a good. I think it's a good uh, play there. Um, if you're a sneakerhead, you definitely overpay for sneakers. Yes. Yes. But what brand, though? Anything Jordan you overpay for. But the quality goes in before the name goes on. It's a high resale value, too, right now. Right. (laughs) Right. Especially right now. Yeah. (laughs) So I totally get it. Foles um, trade makes the Bears competitors. Not contenders, competitors. I think this was a great trade by Ryan Pace. And I think part of being a leader is to admit when you're wrong. Mitchell Trubisky has one winning season. He was a top two pick in the 2017 draft. Two years ago, when we played against him when I was at the Dolphins, our whole game plan was, can he beat us by throwing the ball deep downfield to his left? And if we knew that, everybody else knows that. He was 30th in the NFL in yards per attempt, and that's a very significant uh, uh, statistic from a standpoint that compresses the field. Nick Foles took a team, as you said, won a Super Bowl, Susie. I know he's not perfect, but... Last year, he actually played pretty well in the games he played for Jacksonville. Obviously, they were 0-4. But this gives them a much better chance to win right now, which is what they need to do. And after three seasons, Trubisky has only one winning season. That's really important. You have a championship defense on the other side of the ball. Now they're much more competitive. Dr. Rachel next. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and brand new ESPN Chicago app. Glad that you are with me here on this Monday night. We know that COVID-19 just continues to be in the news. And, of course, it's affecting our world where we've got to be shut down. Uh, staying in the house, businesses are shut down, and it's a very difficult time. We just need to have a little bit more clarity on how we can get out from underneath this. Dr. Rachel Ross, friend of the program uh, from the Dr. Rachel Institute. Go to the website, drrachelinstitute.com. She joins me, Jonathan Hood, Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Dr. Rachel, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Hey, anytime, Jonathan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I want to get your initial reaction, Dr. Rachel, about COVID-19, because even going into our conversation, the commercial we just heard of the tips for COVID-19, it seems like something we should be doing anyway, as far as washing our hands and being careful. What was your initial reaction to the story and the pandemic that we're seeing? 
Sure. So, I mean, you know, coming from two different perspectives, coming from a practicing family medicine physician, coming from, you know, a mom with uh, small kids in the house, you know, coming from all of those perspectives, I think at first I was kind of skeptical, like, uh, okay, is this real? You know, okay, is this really a problem? Okay, do we really need to be taking it this seriously? And now, you know, some weeks, months into this, I recognize how seriously we all really do need to be taking it. And it, and it's a little bit frustrating on one hand um, that, you know, we're still questioning whether or not this is a conspiracy or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then it's, and it's question, it, it, it's, uh, it's tough on both sides. One, we saw what China had to actually go through to contain it. We saw what Korea had to go through to contain it. And it was brutal. It was it was way beyond our scope of imaginations as Americans. And then now we see that, you know, most of us aren't really taking it seriously. So it's it's tough. You know, I think more than anything, just staying on the side of not being fearful and just being proactive is kind of where I've been and where I've just been counseling patients to try to stay. Dr. Rachel, is there a possibility that someone had COVID-19 but did not know it as maybe it was allergies or a cold or they had something and it just it passed. Is there a possibility that someone had it and didn't know it? Oh, definitely. As a matter of fact, you know, so right now I'm, I'm practicing medicine sometimes in Los Angeles, California. And what I noticed about the flu this year, or quote, these viral syndromes that people were getting is that they were just lasting a long time. They were staying sicker longer, more respiratory issues. And there's this huge part of me now that's wondering if we haven't been seeing some of this um, this COVID-19 for a while without recognizing that that's what it was. Um, Because ultimately, at the end of the day, the treatment is always going to be the same. Since we really don't know how to treat it other than to manage the symptoms um, as they come up. Absolutely. Dr. Rachel Ross with Jonathan Hood on uh, Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So, Dr. Rachel, I want to ask you about... to, to me, some of the things that we're hearing about as far as safety, you know, washing your hands and these things, aren't these things we're supposed to be doing anyway? Outside of the social distancing, that's something new. But those other things seem commonplace. Wouldn't you suggest that to someone that has a common cold or flu? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd say that it's, it's very similar. It's very common. I mean, we can even compare this to when HIV was like a big conversation. You know, it's like, well, you know, you should be using a condom with everybody. So it's, it is very similar in the sense that these are the types of precautions we should be taking on a daily basis. But um, I just advocate, you know, because you never really know what side of this you would be on. So if the statistics are correct, when they talk about Illinois and they talk about Massachusetts, they talk about California in terms of how many people would potentially be infected if we can't curb this, then, you know, you want to be on the side of things where you actually end up having a better outcome with, uh, with it than someone else, right? So I think that's the piece that makes you be a little more diligent, that makes you more likely to maybe wear gloves when you're out in public because you don't trust yourself to not touch your face, you know? So I think at the end of the day, if they are very similar to what we've always said, but I think in this situation, you, you can take it up a notch a little bit, you know? and Do- you should take it up a notch. Well, Dr. Rachel, you know, I, I think about your, your daughter, and, you know, she's with yeah. other kids, 
I know that's got to be a concern with you because, again, kids are, are commingling. They're playing. You know, they're in the same classrooms. It, it, what was your thought about that? Because you, with a child, you got to be concerned about that as well. Sure. So, you know, I am, besides being a family medicine physician, I'm a functional medicine provider, right? So we really believe strongly in doing what we can on a regular basis to keep the immune system as strong as we can. And so for me and for our family, that means, you know, we, we've always done this, you know, vitamin C, we take our probiotics, we take zinc during cold season, um, so that we eat, you know, fresh vegetables and fruit. So, I, I'm not as fearful, um, technically, really, about my daughter because one, we know that very, you know, we when we look at China, we haven't really seen, uh, but one case of a of a person under 12 even really uh, getting hospitalized because of COVID-19. But also because I feel very, yeah, I feel very confident <laughs> in her ability as a young person to you know, to, to, to fight viruses and to fight the common cold. And, um, you know, and, I, and that's what I hope for most people and most patients is that you can say, you know what, I take pretty good care of myself. Um, you know, I, I don't have chronic illnesses because if I do, I should probably stay inside. And because of that, I, you know, I trust my body and I'm going to go forward in that piece. And hopefully some of that works, you know, because really what we're, dealing with now you know let's be honest is just hope (laughs) because we really don't know dr rachel with me jonathan hood on under the hood on espn 1000 you can follow dr rachel on twitter at dr rachel and look at her facebook uh, as well facebook.com where she has videos and and helps uh, people in numerous ways okay so i need your help so uh i need your help uh, when it comes to to hay fever uh because i get it's allergy season it's uh march 23rd so it, it, and now I'm a little freaked out because uh, all the symptoms that we're finding out about, right, when it comes to COVID, and now I've got allergies, what should I do? Because, yes. I, I, yeah, so it's well, kind of weird because I feel like I got some of those same symptoms. Yeah, you know, I think that's the tough piece. You know, it's allergy season and then you're sneezing and people are like, wait a minute, are you sick? Um, and then you start to feel it too. So for, for for me and for my patients, I always say with allergy season, we've got to one try to avoid the triggers as much as possible. Two, make sure you have humidified air in your in your home and in your office as much as possible. So that's a nice humidifier to keep you know the passages moist, so they're less likely to react. Um, and then I really swear by something called Allerson that and you can make it over the counter, it's called Allermax, where it's actually using natural products like garlic and onion peels, which were kind of nature's first versions of antihistamines to kind of help with mast cell stabilization. Because what's happening when you have hay fever and allergies is that your body is flooded with with, with histamine and mast cells are releasing this histamine all over your body. So you're sneezing, your eyes may be running and watering. So I always say, start somewhere like that. If you're actually taking allergy medicine like the Zyrtex and the Claritin, keep in mind that that's going to dry everything out. What you want to do is you may have to start there, but the idea is to add the natural products into the mix, some immune support with your vitamin C and your zinc and things like that, to then ideally decrease the amount of Claritin, Zyrtec, and all that that you have to take in order to keep those allergy symptoms under bay. Great. Are you staying in, Dr. Rachel? Are you staying in during this time? 
I am not, you know, I'm working, you know, I'm a healthcare provider. If you know me, you know, yes. when, the, when, um, when things happen in Haiti, you know, I'm, I'm in the front line and here, you know, I know pa- my patients need me more than ever. You know, most of the time it's to just calm their fears and let them know everything's going to be okay. And, you know, we can get through this, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm not staying in, but I am staying diligent. I mean, if you saw me at the store, to get groceries, you wouldn't recognize because <laughs> I'm covered up. But, I wouldn't you know, rec- recognize yeah. you. Probably had a wild hat on, more than likely. You probably had a hat that you got from the gas station. That's right. That's right. And, and so I have the clothes that I wear outside, and then I have my inside clothes. Because, you know, you want your home to be like a castle, as, as germ-free as it can be. So you have to be very diligent about switching out those clothes items. Uh, you know, when you come in from, from the element and outside. So I'm thinking of it more so as it's a, it's a battlefield out there. And so in the in the home and in the house, you want it to be as, as, as clean and crisp as possible. But no, you know me, I can't stay put. I'm not staying home. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> true. Well, okay, so lastly, so do yeah. you, let me ask you, do you believe in um, Purell or is there a different hand sanitizer I should be looking at? Because I, I have a Purell next to me here. But I know that there's more organic and different types. Is there a certain type we should be looking for? Well, you know what? I'm a huge proponent of good old-fashioned soap and water. (laughs) You know, to me, you know, you can get clean under the nails. You know, you can get a good scrub going. So for me... That's what I would prefer most people do is take the time to really kind of wash. But but I think Purell is great. I think Purell is great. Hydrogen peroxide is even effective at, at disinfecting. So my thing is just be as diligent as possible. And if you don't have access to anything to wash your hands, you know, opt for a pair of gloves. Because the cool thing about gloves, whether they're winter gloves, uh, latex gloves, nitrile gloves, is that it, it reminds you, oh, I got gloves on, so I'm not going to touch my face. So the big thing is, if it gets on your hand, you just don't want it in that mucosal area, the mouth, the eyes, the face on your loved ones. So that's why this becomes a big issue like that. Well, Dr. Rachel, I'm glad you spent some time. And again, you can follow Dr. Rachel on Twitter, at Dr. Rachel, for the latest. And um, continue that great work. I just want to feel better, and I want our listeners to feel better about Uh, what we could do about COVID-19 from our standpoint. So I'm glad you spent some time. Oh, thanks for having me. So I just put my own personal tips up on my YouTube channel yesterday. So if you want to head over to YouTube, the same thing, the Dr. Rachel channel is D-R-R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And I've got some good practical tips besides just hand washing, you know? Great. Well, check Thanks it out. for having me. Absolutely. Oh. It is uh, Dr. Rachel with us here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We thank you for listening and being part of the program here on ESPN 1000. Thanks to Jeff Dickerson, Austin Lane, and Dr. Rachel Ross for being with us to talk to us about COVID-19. Sean and Tyler on the other side of the glass. Full show again tomorrow, 7 to 10, right here on ESPN 1000. Don't forget the brand new ESPN Chicago app. That's where you can find the podcast for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.